Welcome to Nature Back podcast of Singular. In this podcast, we are talking with investors about the vision of the new green world. My name is Tarmo Virki, and in this episode, I'm talking with Andreas Schwarzenbrunner from Speed Invest. Enjoy the show. Good morning, Andreas. Uh, thanks for joining us at uh, Nature Backed. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Tell a little bit about Speed Invest. Uh, I mean, in the European startup scene, many people have probably heard Speed Invest, but uh, what's the story of the investment company? Um, yeah, I mean, actually, it has changed the last couple of years that people heard about us. So at the beginning, it was not really the case. Um, so Speed Invest was founded in 2011. So we are around now for 11 years. Um, we focus on, yeah, software, digital startups in the early stage um, with a focus on pre-seed and seed companies. Um, over the last uh, 11 years, we invested in around 250 companies um, and actually started 11 years ago with a, a, a very small fund, a 10 billion fund. And, and how this got started, actually, our founders have been in the startup world themselves. They founded um, a st- software startup straight after uni. Um, it was an, one of the early companies in mobile content back then when there was no iPhone. Um, and then basically they went through the whole roller coaster, like dot com bubble 2000, 2001. Um, then it went back up again and sold the company in 2005 to VeriSign in the US. They moved to the Valley um, and, and got a bit like the American Valley vibes. And they always thought, like, why are they not actually, um, um, yeah pre-seed seed investors existing like there is in the US, like very hands-on that really can help the startups have operational background and experiences um, entrepreneurial experience and really can help the startups to scale in very early days because their experience with their investor was always quite bad back then. Um, and that's why they said, okay, this is actually uh, yeah, what, what, what we think is needed. And they started when they moved back to Austria. So they're all actually Austrian, moved back to Austria. They started to do uh, like angel investments. And this was basically then the beginning of Speed Invest and led to the first fund of around 10 million in 2000. Um, 11. Yeah. By now it's, 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 uh, above a building in assets under management. And, and, and as said, we have invested 250 companies since then, but, but this was the beginning and it really, uh, still, um, I would say, uh, shapes our DNA. So we have a very strong operational focus. That means a lot of our team members have an entrepreneurial background themselves. We also have two teams internally that work operationally with our portfolio companies. One is everything around people, HR, hiring, and the other is everything around marketing, growth, sales, because we identified this, especially in the first two, three years in the startup phase journey. This is where we can support most. Um, and, and, and this is still in the, the let's say, the, in the DNA of, of, of Speed Invest. Yeah, that is that's a bit in a in a in a nutshell what we do. I mean, as said, we started in Vienna, but have offices are now in Munich, Berlin, London, Paris. And I'm based in Stockholm. Um, um, so actually, we're spread out across Europe, um, and 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 was quite an an, an interesting journey and the last eleven years. It's mm. pretty nice. Uh, Sector-wise, is uh, mobile and uh, digital still still somehow in focus, or have you have you kind of become generalist? 
Um, we started Channelist, and then we realized um, a couple of years ago, actually, what is it that startups really want, right? They said, um, there's, there's so much capital on the market, and if you are a great founder, you can't choose your investor. It's not the other way around. It's that the, that the founder can choose the investor. And so we, sort of, we said, okay, besides our operational support and focus, what is it that we actually can bring to the table to win good deals? And this is where we started to um, form our sector focus teams. Um, and, 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 and because we realized, especially in pre-seed seed, founders really appreciate it if they have a team that A, understands their space, understands their business model, but B, also has relevant network in terms of sales and business development for my specific sector or vertical. Um, and that's why we started to form our sector-focused teams actually in 2017, and that's, that's still the case until today. I mean, the teams developed a bit, new topics came up, but by now we have six focus teams. One is Deep Tech, the second one is SaaS, the third one is consumer marketplaces. The fourth one is industrial and climate tech. The fifth one is um, uh, fintech. Um, and what did I forget now? Health, consumer marketplaces, SaaS, deep tech, fintech, industrial and climate tech. Already six. Mm -hmm. So didn't forget anyone. <laughs> so uh, industrial it's early in the morning. Uh, no, no worries. The uh, industrial and climate tech uh, go together. What's the industrial or why they are linked? Mm. So climate for us is, um, is, 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 is quite, I and mean, you can come to that later. It's, it's, it for us, it's an horizontal topic, right? There can be consumer topics in, uh, in, in, in climate. There can be fintech, uh, uh, topics in, in, in climate. And, 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 but on the P2P side, we realized that what we looked at in, let's say, in the industrial side is like, uh, all the all the big uh, heavy emitting sectors, right? Manufacturing, logistics, energy, agriculture, um, mobility. All those sectors are causing the the, the the big chunk of of emissions, and that's why they have a big pressure to 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 change the business model, to invest in new technology, in new innovation, to reduce emissions. And 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 there's a very strong link of let's say the old industrial world. And everything around climate tech, right? Because in the end of the day, those are the ones that need to adapt and need to change in order that we really can reduce emissions. And that's why we look at it from a P2P perspective for most of these sectors. But on climate in general, we look at it horizontally. So that, that can be across teams as well, but it's mostly, I would say, consumer marketplaces, fintech. Um, and and industrial tech, where, where climate plays a real role, because if you look at health, etc., et there are not that many. Um, yeah, mm. makes a lot makes a lot of sense, uh, and uh, and I really like the logic of combining it with a uh, with a sectors where the impact is the biggest in a way. That's a re really nice approach, I have to say. The. Um, um, how much do you know? Look at looking at your portfolio. How much have you guys done? You know, purely climate tech investments, or maybe climate driven investments? Because, as you said, you know, logistics investment could be totally climate driven. Yes, um, it depends a bit on how you define it, right? I think there are different different people see, see it differently. Um, we invested in around twenty companies in the climate tech space. 
and most of them uh, happened within the last two, two to three years. So really, the last two to three years, we put more focus um, on, on climate tech. We did around 20 investments, and that's a quite a broad mix um, in, in topics, so from recycling to batteries to carbon offsetting, carbon accounting, ESG reporting software, um, 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 as you mentioned, um, a green logistics provider. So it's quite a broad mix of topics, but I would say the ones that we really define as climate tech are around 20 now and rising um, that we invested in over the last uh, two to three years. And we also see that this is climate tech is basically a maturing asset class, right? So there are, there are now you can see the rise of investors and in climate tech money that goes into that space. And for us, we also want to double down on this and we want to continue to invest and even invest more in, in, in climate tech companies over the years to come. And I think we have actually built um, um, quite quite a nice portfolio for now. Mm. Uh, many people say that there is uh, more money than uh, you know great founders in climate tech. You also referred earlier that basically for the great founders, there is always kind of more more money and they can choose their invest you know investors in the in the team do, do you see you know this balance uh, even more even bigger in the climate uh, sector is climate sector so hot that uh, there is more money than uh, companies uh yes that's a good question yes and no uh, i would say on the one hand a particular subset of climate tech companies there are way there's way more demand than there are companies. But there's a strong subset of climate tech companies, everything that goes way more into R&D, infrastructure, hardware, et cetera, where there are not that many investors. So I think it, it there's a gap between, let's say, uh, the, 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 the software digital focused climate tech companies versus the ones that are really into more uh, development of, of new ideas, R&D, infrastructure, and hardware. So I think there the situation is a different one. Mm, uh, yeah, I totally understand that. The um, What could those uh, you know deep tech hardware companies do to change the situation? Do they need to take the money from somewhere else than VC sector? Or is there some... I don't know, somebody building the VC funds with a 20-year focus to do the deep tech? Mm. I think it's not uh, I think it's not uh, so much about the companies. I think it's really about the investor scene that needs to adapt. I think the investor scene, I mean, A, of course, there is a strong foundation of, let's say, government money, EU-backed EU money and everything on the green transition. Then there is a strong um, um, subset of investors on the, let's say, much later stage, private equity that invests in infrastructure. There was a big announcement also from Apollo yesterday. They want to invest 100 billion in decarbonization projects. So there's a lot of, 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 of things already happening. I think the gap is really on the, let's say, early stages from C to A, um, where people want to uh, uh, develop a new idea and have not maybe yet um, found, um, let's say, the right business model, customers, etc. And I think there the investor scene needs to adapt because if you are serious about climate tech and if you are serious about decarbonization and, and, and reducing emissions, uh, the investors scene, uh, including us, have to realize that there is no way around hardware, right? In the end of the day, um, if you really look at the, the hard problems, 
uh, in climate uh, tech. Um, and there are so many things that can't be solved. Otherwise, it's about reducing emissions when you produce, I don't know, concrete and steel. It's about um, it's about new ways of uh, electrified mobility and uh, charging infrastructure, where there's also no way around building the in charging infrastructure. Then there, if you look at energy storage and hydrogen solutions, there is no way around the building the storage facilities. And all those things, uh, um, I think investors need to adapt and realize that if you're serious about it, and you have to tackle these problems as well. And that's why I think a lot of funds will adapt and some won't do that, which is also fair if you say this is not what we're investing in. And and I think this will, on the other hand, but then also up a new field of investors that are, that, are, that, are, that we already see, right? In the last two, three years, a lot of new climate tech investors popping up. And I think there will also be a, a, a new new investor scene in for that space popping up. Mm. Um. I mean, you are referring about, you know, being serious to, about this scene and so on. Uh, that always reminds me of the you know, latest uh, reports we are reading on the seriousness of the problem uh, the sector is trying to solve. How how do you usually, you know, take out the latest IPCC report and see that uh, basically, you know, pardon my French, but we're fucked can the can the startups actually change the world here i mean we have to try right <laughs> so what it's the, what what's what's the, what's the alternative the alternative is giving up now i don't think that's a real alternative i think we really uh, we really need to try and we have to pull the triggers on multiple fronts right this is on a this is really on policy making this is about uh, the investor scene but this is also about uh, fostering and, and supporting entrepreneurship and new ideas new technologies that, that that can solve those problems and it's also about uh, the corporates that like the the the, the and, and especially uh, and let's say heavy emitting industries that need to adapt faster and can also can be a huge driver for new technology and ideas and those startups as well. So I think in the end of the day, it's a mix of multiple fronts. And and also the fifth one is obviously each one of us as individuals um, who can who can adapt their lifestyle, which is obviously always the hardest because I always believe that if you really want to change stuff, you need to give people a better alternative because otherwise they won't do it. Um, and in the end of the day, I think it's a mix of all of this and we need to try and we need to try harder um, the, because if you don't think that there is, there is an alternative to that. Mm. Yesterday I saw statistics from uh, Bolt where they said that uh, 80% of the consumers will not pay even 1% more for sustainable, sustainable op- alternative. Which was quite stunning. I mean, the twenty percent. How many percent of the consumers? Eighty, eight zero. Eighty, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it depends uh, a lot between different countries. I think there are a lot of countries who are already. I think there's a there's a, a, a percentage of people who are willing to pay a, a premium. A green premium is, I think, much higher. But yeah, I think uh, very much in line to 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 what I think as well is that if you don't have an an, an real alternative, but it also I think the question of price is always a bit about how pricing how we're pricing in externalities, right? Because in the end of the day, people pay prices where there's not everything priced in what they're actually causing by doing that, and and that's why it's a bit always a bit of an unfair comparison because that on so many fronts we are subsidized. 
subsidizing old industries or we are uh, um, uh, having low taxes on specific sectors and industries. And so at the end of the day, the, and, and also the question is really on how we really price in CO2. And, and, and then I think if you really do this properly, a price comparison looks different. Mm. Uh, it probably depends a lot on the sectors. I mean, I think the classical things are like uh, nuclear energy that uh, nobody really counts those thousand years. Somebody has to keep the waste uh, somewhere. It's kind of outsourced cost to the governments or something like that. And and probably many other sectors also. But uh, bringing the real cost to the product would probably help in in many products to, you know, turn consumers more aware of their sustainable choices. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a big, uh, big, big part of changing a system, right? It's like having information in place that people really know um, what is it that we're actually talking about. And it's that, I don't know, it's my impression that a lot of people um, just lack that kind of information. And, and about what is actually causing what and 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 if I buy this kind of meat is it bad or is it is it is it good or even there's in the end of the day it's there's not bad or good right it's like and 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 how like how is my consumption and my behavior really affecting the planet and I think there's a lot of wrong info out there and there's a lot of, uh, of, of miscommunication as well and I think that's makes it really hard for people to really understand it because I don't know how about you but I, so many people I know and, and our friends I know where, where really I would say are smart educated people but don't really have um yeah the, the information to really charge what is it actually that 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 that, 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 uh, that i should do or mm. can do right mm. i think uh, greenwashing is really extensive these days in europe i mean i see uh, you know the bigger the company the greener is their messaging the, this you know probably a local competitor who who has done everything green from the day zero but then comes a global conglomerate whose uh, big advertising slogans are all green. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I always wonder if this is good or bad, right? Mm. Because yeah. I think in the end of the day, yeah, greenwashing but better greenwashing than nothing, maybe. <laughs> That's mm. a bit of the because at least then it's in, it's it's out there, right? And, yes. and, and in the consumer uh, mind, but yeah, of course. In the end of the day, it's it's it, it's um, it often doesn't really have a big effect. Then mm, that's true. Um, if you you know go to the events these days when the events are actually you know again happening and you can meet people in three D. What kind of uh, companies you're looking at? What kind of, uh, you know, stories? What kind of sectors in there? I mean, as this uh, podcast is about the you know, green economy and the green future, you know, focusing on maybe climate tech space. Mm. Um, in climate tech, we actually look at roughly six target sectors, right? Mm. So it's a circular economy, um, smart electrified mobility, construction and buildings, energy transition, measuring, importing, financing a green transition, and the sixth one is food and agriculture. And I would say those are the main areas we look at. And within that, we we, we, we really look at 
companies that can create value through technology, particularly not saying purely software, but creating value through technology and have a strong technological component in an in a large and, and, and growing market that, that really have at the same time a positive, let's say social environmental impact. Um, that is that is that is roughly what we're looking at. And and within within those areas, obviously trends come and go. So we spend a lot of and, and also our uh, and, and also if you really keen on investments and we have done investments, we might move on to another topic. So we spend, for example, the last two years, a lot of time on waste and recycling. And we did two investments in that space and um, still would be, I guess, open to do more. But at least we have done now two investments. We've done our research, we've looked at the space in particular. As the other one is also solar. For ex- we did two investments in the solar space where we spent a lot of time on. Um, and, 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 and there will be other topics where we are now. We have, for example, let's say two examples where we now really try to smarten ourselves up and look into it is food is uh, is 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 all which for us is a bit something we're not experts in and the other one is is everything around hydrogen where we really want to understand okay what is it that actually interesting areas where we could invest in um so the t- topics come and go but uh, but the, i would say always within those six sectors and how those six sectors will be transformed in order to yeah transition to a zero carbon economy mm. the uh, you know putting together the energy transition uh, and your austrian uh, roots i have to ask how the current uh, geopolitical situation in europe uh, is impacting your maybe drive to invest in the energy transition or do you see the some kind of peak in the interest towards this uh, you know sector you mean because we in Austria and Germany are dependent on Russian oil and gas? Um, I think, I mean, f- so the way I look about it is, is, is every, so what is happening in, in Ukraine is, is, is accelerating things on the green, on the green deal, right? So if you look at all the topics that are in, within the European green deal, and especially the ones about the energy transition, all those things will happen now much faster than they are planned. That is my assumption. And I think we can see that, especially now for us being present in Germany and Austria and having a, a, a lot of Germans and Austrians in the team is, is is that that there is a public debate um about what are our alternatives and how can we increase um the share of renewables while at the same time decrease our dependence on russian oil and gas and and this is now happening and there is a strong public pressure on 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 adapting and doing that um and that's why i think for startups in this space let's say energy transition in general this is this is this is uh, a big wave they can ride and 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 uh, and that's why i think there will be a lot of investment going into everything around uh, renewables everything around hydrogen um, and everything around energy savings because that's the other part of the component that's the other component right so uh, uh it's not only where do we uh, where do we get our energy from but also how can we reduce our 
energy consumption. And I think those two things will happen now um, at massive scale. Mm. It's my, 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 my mm. feeling. It must be one of the first places or first times ever in the EU history that something is happening faster than planned, right? Yeah, yeah, it's but uh, l- we don't know yet. Hopefully, it will be. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. It's that's true. <laughs> or maybe now it will happen in time. <laughs> For the EU, that would be a big deal. <laughs> I have to admit. The, um, the you, you made this interesting point that you know the uh, the crisis is kind of so. Uh, I would say immediate that uh, there's actually no other option than to try to fight the situation. The uh, kind of uh, you know the nature of the entrepreneurship or nature of uh, VC investment that, you know, giving up is not really an option. Uh, I really like that logic. And I think that's probably something which the listeners, I hope the listeners will also take home with from, uh, from this episode. Um, looking ahead into this year, what makes you, you know, pick what's the, what's the, interesting thing uh, going forward now is it the energy transition you're really excited about or uh... mm, yeah i mean as said as i think those are the, the, the it's those six sectors and within that we are we are opportunistic right because in the end of the day it's about having um a strong founder team um a market that, that that we think is interesting and the business model that works and 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 if you are too picky or if you, let's say if you if you um are already in advance like too narrow it's really difficult so that's why we say okay those are the areas we want to invest in those are the things we want to uh, see like a strong technological component it's a fast and growing market uh, it's a big and growing market, and it's it's it, they, they they have an environmental social impact. And if they if we if we look at those those areas and within those six sectors, or if you look at this within those six sectors, um, that there we want to be flexible, right? If it's in the end of the day, it's also a lot about teams driving it. And and for example, I mean, we spent a lot of time on also recently on on the topic about heat pumps, right? And that was I could never. Uh, I thought about it that years ago I would have said that we are excited about heat pumps. <laughs> but uh, if you have the right opportunity and that you think it makes sense and there's a cool team tackling the market, then it's an, it's a really cool area. Mm. Heat pumps, something to take home with from this uh, from this year, basically, or this uh, winter. Heat pumps. That's an that's a interesting yes, startup I sector. Mean, Yes, and nobody really thought about heat pumps until this year, right? So, mm. I mean, in the in the north, uh, we you know always think about heat pumps, and uh, yeah, <laughs> but but uh, like you know, looking at the rest of the Europe, not really. That's true. Um, thanks, Andreas, for this uh, chat, and we'll uh, see you at the next startup conferences. Thank you. Yes, thanks. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. Join us again for the next episode. Thank you for listening. If you like the show, please give us a good rating and leave the feedback in your podcast player so others will find it too. We will be back next week. Turn on to Nature Back Podcast. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, 
all in the Spanish remixes out now on Electric House Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. DC, I host the Rock Podcast, Back to the Arena, The Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock band like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, The Interviews. Electric Acid. Acid.